Well, I'm left with this George G and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Claire Mason. Claire, are you ready to do this? Thank you, George. Yes, I am. All right, let's go. Claire is the queen of thought leadership publicity. She's helping people build B2B fame with Tier One Media. She's also a public speaker. Claire, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Thank you, George. I'm very excited to be here. So I'll actually start with the last question. Why do I do what I do? I am a thought leadership publicist and I do what I do because I love stories and I really do believe stories make the world go round. And far from the idea of us creating a, you know, creating a footprint for ourselves as thought leaders being all about me, me, me. I actually really have a strong belief and a, a lot of evidence to back it up that establishing yourself as a thought leader is actually an act of service the people who really need your your help and your services and the products you create they can only find you if you really make yourself visible and you do that by building a personal brand becoming a thought leader in terms of the work i do it's finding people's stories and translating them into ways that the media want to cover and then in terms of my personal life i love dancing i am having a tango moment currently so i'm hitting the tango clubs in the evenings and then i a great love of my life is duke the great dane so that's uh that's what i do in my personal time dance and walk duke i love it do you see parallels between dancing and the work that you do Yes, that's actually a great question. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, the, the, the parallels that I would think uh, off of the top of my head is that there are many different ways to get to a destination. You don't, it's not always a straight line. You might have to do it in, you know, two steps forward, two steps back. And then I suppose the other element really creativity. You know, I, I work in the B space, which is business to business, but stories and approaching angles and themes and commenting on the big stories that are going on in the media already, uh, those doors get opened by being creative and innovative and, and coming at angles with with new ways of looking at things. So yeah, a lot of parallel. Lot of Imagine you have to be a good dance partner with, 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 with the different media outlets and, you know. Yeah, well, that's true as well. And that's really where relationship building comes in and uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of commentary at the moment, and I think rightfully so around AI and the exponential leap that it took this year, but you still can't replace relationships. So that's uh, that's that's key to, I always say, you know, the, the media is far from perfect, but it does still represent more of a meritocracy than many other visibility or marketing channels. Uh, you know, you can be a, a solopreneur of one, and on the basis of a good story, you could be landing those tier one titles like Fast Company, Business Insider, Forbes, you know, the, the big media, as much as a Fortune 500 with huge resources at their disposal can do. Um, but on the other hand, if you if you build a, a relationship with an editor or journalist, and you can do that very easily on social media, follow them, comment, like, share their articles, though, that also goes a long way to helping you get the media coverage you wish for your own brand. A lot of good stuff there. So that the media is still more meritocracy, still more of a meritocracy than, than, than maybe people realize and the importance of relationships. And that certainly does make sense to me when, when you say the media, um, 
and and is that the tier one? Those are the traditional brands. Yeah. So I work with I work with podcasts and I work with what I would call online and print. I mean, you know, they are still clients of mine who feature in print publications. Uh, but of course, every print publication has got an online property as well. And then you've got publications and journals that exist exclusively online anyway. So let's call it written content, written media. And then I've worked with a few streaming platforms and, you know, TV shows and all the rest. So when I talk media, when I'm talking tier one, I am meaning the the media brands that we all know. So the ones I've just called out, Forbes, Business Insider, Fast Company, New York Times, you know, Financial Times, whatever the case might be. Um, but then I also work a lot with niche or what we might call trade publications. And interestingly enough, those those publications are often the publications where your audience is sitting. So I'm working with a client at the moment who is a coach and we're really targeting HR publications. And, you know, they might, they not they might, they definitely have smaller readerships than the big tier ones, but that's where your very warmed up audience is sitting. So it's a combination of trade or niche media and then tier one media. And a good publicity strategy will always include both because your trade media is really where you can be doing more of your lead generation and your tier one media is where you'll be doing more of your brand building and credibility building. If you say, you know, you've just been featured in a in a column in fast company, people already have an idea of how to position you in their own minds. As I always say, compared to saying, I've just been featured in my own LinkedIn feed, <laughs> you know, you immediately get an idea. I'm a prolific LinkedIn publisher and it's a platform I love, but you can immediately get a different sense of, oh, this person has something to say that a third party publisher wants to hear, not just something they've wrestled up and published on their own social media profiles. Yeah, social proof is is a really really powerful thing, mm-hmm. and that that makes sense. How you would want to have a presence and have publicity in trade publications for direct lead generation, and that to build your brand, the more broad exposure. Um, that, that I think that 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 makes a lot of sense, and I also like the idea that um, it's it's a shame or it's bad if I have this wonderful work that I'm trying to do as, as an entrepreneur, but I'm doing it quietly. Yes. <laughs> I would say, you know, I meet people all the time and they have brilliant ideas, brilliant ways of coming at things, frameworks that have, that could really help people and all this information sitting in their prefrontal cortex and it's not in the public domain and that means it's not helpful to anyone else and ultimately it's not even serving you as the originator of this intellectual property if i give it that title because people really need to know how you can help them for them to approach you so the more public you make yourself or the more you you shine a visibility spotlight on yourself. And I help people do that through LinkedIn and and publicity. Firstly, you make their lives so much easier because they now they know there's somebody who can help them and they know how to find that person. And then, of course, on the other hand, you're, you're building a more sustainable and robust consultancy or business for yourself. So rather than thought leadership being about me, 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 it really is a win-win exchange of energy for both parties, the person on the receiving end of the services and the person giving the services. 
I imagine that there's there is challenge and opportunity uh, from your perspective in helping these folks, these entrepreneurs be comfortable with putting themselves mm-hmm. out there and obviously then getting their message into the media. Yeah, I mean, we I don't like giving imposter syndrome more airtime than it gets already. But of course, that's something that we all confront because the more you make yourself visible, you know, certain fears in your own mind, your own psyche will, will come to the surface. But of course, you can deal with those and move on. I think that's why a big part of my messaging around how thought leadership is actually an act of service that really lands with people because it takes the focus off of themselves and it it helps them to realize just how how much their message is needed in this world. And then the second I come across a lot is that people really have a belief that the media is a sort of closed club that, you know, you need to have a real in with someone and, you know, know somebody who knows somebody to reach an editor or, or you know, reach somebody who has the power to, to perhaps publish your story. But there are, you know, there's tried and tested, proven ways to approach the media. And I mean, none of this needs to stay a secret from the publicity, the publicist's point of view either. You know, really a, a large part of my day is spent following editors, media professionals that I want to speak with on social media and making sure that I'm letting them know I'm reading their articles. I think this was what was great about it. You know, I like it. I share it, whatever the case might be. And anybody can do that. <laughs> you know, you you really, that's one of the ways too. I know social media doesn't always enjoy the healthiest of reputations. And a, a lot of that is justifiably earned. But it's also, again, something that has made publicity and, and the media a lot more democratic in terms of who can actually access these people. And then the third thing I'll say is, as much as us as individuals want the media to and need the media to publish our stories, the media, whether you're talking to a journalist, reporter, editor, whatever the case might be, producer, they need our stories. So again, neither side is it's not an unbalanced transaction in terms of one side has all the power and the other side is powerless. We've both got something to really help the other side to help each other. That makes a lot of sense. How do you, how do you define what success is? In my, well, when I work with clients, I set KPIs. We set KPIs together at the start of the, of the engagement, at the start of us working together. That's a very, that's a very kind of tangible way of um, of following up in terms of, you know, are we, is this campaign successful or not? And then I'm going to follow your forward of are you, the questions you asked me at the very start of the conversation, my professional life. Uh, so KPIs from a professional point of view. And then in terms of how I live my life, what success is for me is how much in alignment are my actions with my values. And I include that in the work I do from a publicity point of view. I'll really stand over every story that I, let's say, shepherd into a media spotlight. I'm confident that that every engagement is going to be different. Um, mm-hmm. But what are, are, are there typical elements that you say, okay, we're, we're going to be focused on brand building, and lead gen, what is what is the time horizon, sort of the frequency of of, of 
posting or publishing? I know that's a big question. And I'm actually thrilled to shed some light on it. So firstly, publicity is always a medium term to long term game. So I would never and I had very upfront conversations with potential clients when we were in that initial discussion phase. If you need to put leads into your pipeline straight away, then you probably are better served taking your money and investing in some kind of paid advertising, whether that's on social or another platform, I would not advise PR or any kind of organic content from that point of view. But if you are willing to invest from a medium to longer term point of view, then you, you know you can't you can't do much better than investing in thought leadership. And that includes you know publicity, how you're how you're showing up on media, webinars, content, all this kind of stuff. So um, and then of course the other element too is that once an article appears, let's say again, just use business that article stays up for a long time so people could be searching and finding you in 12 18 months time whereas of course the moment you switch off advertising budget that pipeline comes to an end so that's one element of it the other piece is around how you use the publicity that you get um i'm always saying and I've seen this proven time and time again. It's always a wonderful win when you do land one of the, I call them the biggies, you know, the tier ones. It's it's a wonderful moment for me to go to a client and say, you know, fast company wants to cover your story. It's And it's a great win for me as a publicist. It's a really great win for the client. But again, um, in a week's time, you need to be making more use of that content because something else is going to appear on the homepage. So this is where I talk about content flywheels and how you take that content and you might roll it out into a webinar or perhaps you've taken an article and turned it into 15 LinkedIn posts. Maybe you've made a carousel. You've included the uh, article link in your email signature. You've included a mention of it in your newsletter, whatever the case might be. So each engagement is different, but there are some elements that really are the markers of a successful campaign, no matter whether you're doing your publicity for yourself, whether you're working with a publicist, or um, no matter how you're trying to get your, your name in front of your audience, you need to be amplifying all the time. It makes it makes a lot of sense, <laughs> right? And yeah, yeah. Certainly, almost take for granted that oh, I I got featured in Fast Company. Now I've made it. Well, that's awesome that you did that. But we'd be squandering a massive opportunity if you didn't have that, um, have that have that flywheel or just the plan for how you're going to maximize that for the long term. Because to your point, it is going to um, at some point kind of go away. So. <laughs> so I imagine that, that that's that that's a big mistake that people make. What are some of the other mistakes that that you see pretty commonly when it comes to PR? Well, again, the point I made earlier, thinking that the media is closed off to them, it's not, and it's a lot easier to access than you might think. Um, a, another mistake might be people, well, this is a big mistake, and people don't realize how far an image can carry them. So over the years, a lot of publications have had to do away with picture editors or picture desks. If you take whatever it takes, and I don't think it necessarily has to be a big financial outlay, but if you do invest in some professional photography, really at the start of your publicity journey, that can go a long way to opening media doors for you just in the interest of being entirely transparent and editors not going to accept a really 
poorly thought out story or a story that doesn't align with their audience at all just because you got a great photo. But if you have a good story and a good photo, you'll absolutely push that door open very, very quickly. So photographs go a long way to getting you into the media. And then the um, final mistake that I see people make is that they're not clear on the messages that they want to get into the media. And I always say you only need three Excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> you only need three. Uh, you only need. Oh, I'm sorry. You oh, only need okay. three. <laughs> you only need three messages, and then you can say the same three things in 150 different ways. But it's just about identifying your three main messages. And if one of those can be a statistic, you can put some numbers to something. Then again, that'll open media doors for you. So you know. You might be, for example, a client I'm working with is a coach who really helps very high, uh, you know, high powered and, and highly stressed executives sleep better. And we've got a lot of statistics that we can share around around that. So, uh, you know, the moment you can put numbers to something, it really helps position things much easier in an editor's mind. So three main messages, one of which is a number and professional photographs and you are further than probably 90% of your your peers in terms of being able to open media doors for yourself. Nice. I appreciate that. And I love I I I love a good framework. So the idea <laughs> of of having and and of having three messages so we don't we can go on any topic if I'm a mechanic but we were talking about sleep studies or just getting better sleep. So what are some of those what what are some examples of 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 messages that that I would use if I'm a sleep coach? Okay, so this is another tip actually is to get as specific as possible. So instead of if you were pitching a story to an editor, instead of something like you know why eight hours of sleep a night is unnecessary, um, which is so broad. I mean, where are you going to start? Something around the line of like how eight hours of sleep a night reduces your crow's feet wrinkles around your eyes or something like that. You know, and the I was on a webinar about a year and a half ago with the lifestyle editor of a refinery. 29 and she was saying that she's looking for articles now, not about, you know, three yoga moves to combat uh, tiredness, for example, she's interested in three ways downward dog combats tiredness. You, you know, so getting more and more specific. The more niche you go, the the more you'll open those those media doors for yourself. So that was just an example from the sleep coach, and then you know from the horse's mouth as well from a, a media specialist. Yeah, I appreciate that. So being specific over broad and when you say that it makes perfect sense but uh, it's just i don't know if that's necessarily intuitive so very helpful i love it and that's just it's difficult when we're inside the jar to to know what's on the label and i think that that's probably a lot of the value that that you're bringing to to the people you're working with thank you kind of pull that out so well claire thank you so much for coming on where can people learn more about you how can they engage with you Thank you, George. I, I really appreciate being on your show. Uh, two ways, through my LinkedIn profile and through my website. My website address is clairemason.co. That's not .com, it's .co. And then my I can be found on LinkedIn, and I love connecting with people and 
my DMs are always open. Uh, and you can find me if you search Claire Mason Thought Leadership in the search bar on LinkedIn. I'm I'm the Claire Mason that comes up because there are thousands of us, <laughs> but I'm the only Claire Mason Thought Leadership one that comes up. <laughs> Got it. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show clear your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas and that person that you think is so brilliant, but they're keeping themselves a secret and help help them get their message out as an act of service, as Claire likes to say. Go to ClaireMason.co. It's C-L-A-I-R-E-M-A-S-O-N.co. And check out everything that Claire is working on. Find out if there's opportunities for you to collaborate. And then find Claire on LinkedIn, Claire Mason, Thought Leadership. Cut through all those other Claire Masons. Get right to the correct person. Thanks again, Claire. (laughs) Thank you, George. Keep well. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.